Hey guys, Lena Abijamer here in Chicago. I want to welcome you to the podcast. Uh, this is a podcast that uh, is a branch of the Ministry of Living with Power Ministries. I've been recording them off and on for the past few years and uh, uh, sort of have, uh, have, have been off the grid a bit and tried to kind of revive things a few weeks ago, but uh, I'm going to tell you that story in a minute, but just want to welcome you here. It's our first podcast in 2017. If you're new to the ministry, then know that you can find out much more about me and the ministry at livingwithpower.org. Uh, and if you've been here before, thanks for checking in again. Hey, uh, we started a series not long ago called um, Difficult Conversations. And the concept was that I would interview someone uh, about difficult topics for Christians. And, of course, the first one was on race and racism in the church. And I interviewed my friend Latoya, who is amazing. You can actually see that podcast in the lineup there on iTunes. And uh, we had a great conversation, got a lot of great feedback. And then I was moving on to the next topic, which is what I want to discuss today. And that is Christians and homosexuality, or Christians and gays, really. Uh, because I want to specifically talk about the people, not the issue. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I um, I know my hand, my, you know, my fair share of, of gay people, and, and, and many of them are my friends, and... Uh, but but one in particular is one of my closest friends, and so I was so optimistic that we would have a great conversation. So I pitched it to her and and kind of tried to tell her exactly what I had in mind. And honestly, uh, thought this would be an easy win. And at the last minute, she backed out. And and I can understand it completely because I think that is why we're having this difficult conversation. I think I think this is a hot topic, and for a woman who identifies as lesbian, married to another woman with a daughter. Uh, but also came to Christ a couple years ago. Uh, boy, it's a loaded issue, and, um, and 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 she's trying to figure out where she fits into the church. And um, and of course, I uh, um, you know I'm trying to figure out how we can uh, balance grace and truth in this issue. And so I was disappointed, of course, and I tried to reach out to some of my other uh, gay friends who might be good candidates for the interview. But I came out short, and I, I shouldn't be surprised because again, I think this is the entire. Uh, heart of the issue, which is a conversation about homosexuality in 2017, publicly, uh, not anonymously, um, is hard. And this is why I want to tackle this. And I, I've really been thinking about this all day today. Uh, I want to keep these conversations short, and yet I want to hit the hearts of some of the issues. And I want to come up and make a few disclaimers. First of all, I want to, uh, ahead of time, apologize for anything that I say that will offend you. And I don't mean like if I have an opinion differing than yours, I just mean if inadvertently I use words that I don't mean to be offensive, but that I, I just mistakenly or references or inferences or anything related to that. Because I completely am aware that this is a topic where um, sometimes there's pure ignorance in some of the uh, aspects of the conversation. And I just want to humbly ask you ahead of time to please forgive me if I say anything inadvertently offensive. I don't mind if we have disagreements and opinion. I think that can be done respectfully and in love. And I just want you to know that, that I'm sorry if I inadvertently and in love say something that offends you. And please feel free to email me and correct me. I'm open to correction and welcome it. So that's one. Uh, number two, know that I'm not a big theologian. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a student of God's word. I've had uh, many years of uh, opportunity of teaching God's word. I've written about God and his word. And I've, I've, I've you know certainly spoken and taught in settings so I, I think I know more than the average, but I'm certainly not an expert theologically. And I want you to keep that in mind. My practice is pediatric emergency medicine, but the Lord has uh, just given me opportunity to teach his word. And for that, I'm deeply grateful. And I just want to lead kind of with that thought. Of, I'm not, I'm, I don't have any intention of doing a deep theological, here's what the Bible says about homosexuality. That is not my goal. There's many, many people who have written many, many great books on this topic. 
and I, I, I might, you know, at some point give you some references, perhaps on my blog. But for now, I, I really want to address this uh, Christians and, 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 and gays in a three-point context. And, and particularly, I, I think particularly, I, I would like to talk to Christians in this conversation. I find that um, the Christians are the ones who are really, in a way, um, uh, they're the ones who with the upper hand, I guess. You know, what's happened, I think, in 2017 is is that uh, many more people have, have uh, become more comfortable with their sexuality and with admitting, you know, where they fall in that scale. And I think that, uh, I think it, it, I think, I think we've got to be honest and say that, that at this point, I think this is a safe statement to say, but uh, uh, by and large, homosexuals do not feel welcomed in the evangelical conservative church, uh, like the, the traditional biblical teaching on homosexuality. And so they are in a sort of way, the victims, they are in a sort of way, the um, the underdogs, they are the ones who are trying to fit in. They are definitely the misfits in an environment that uh, has long preached against homosexuality. And and again, I, I'll give you my thoughts in a minute on, on all of that, but but I just want you to understand that that having said that, um, we, the, the evangelical Christian conservatives who hold to biblical viewpoints on homosexuality are responsible to um, understand the difficulty of this issue. I think this is critical and very important. And so in a sense, we have the upper hand. And so it is extremely important for us to be humble and um and, and to be sensitive to the nuances in this conversation. I, you know. So having said that, I, wanna, I, I really have thought to break down this conversation that I'm having with you now into three big points, and then I'm going to kind of give you some sort of application points. I guess those are sort of application points, but then I'll, I'll kind of give you some practical outplayings of those points because many of you who are listening to me are trying to process my comments in light of your relationships with uh, people in your life who identify as LBGTQ, and maybe coworkers and even family members who you're just struggling with trying to understand and trying to love in Christ. So, so let me give you just three um, big ideas here. That's what I want to do. Number one, uh, here it is. You don't have to agree with everyone, but you do have to love everyone. Okay? It doesn't get any more general than that, but I, I really purposefully have worded th this sentence that way because I believe it with all my heart. You and I do not have to agree with everyone, but we do have to love everyone in the name of Christ. The, the passage that I kind of highlighted here is uh, um, really from Matthew 7, uh, and really it's the golden rule, which is, so whatever Jesus is speaking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And of course he follows that with the narrow gate and the wide gate, I get it, but, but for what it's worth, this golden rule has become the mantra of Christianity. This is Jesus's, is, is his mojo. You know, this is what people, when people think of Jesus, they think of this. Do unto others, love others. Of course, you remember, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, and, and body. And then the, 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 what's the next point that he gives in that talk? He says, and to love others as yourselves. And so love is the essence of what Christianity is. Love is the essence of Christ. First John chapter 4 is just heavy with that word. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his life for us. I mean, behold what manner of love that God has given us, that we would be called the children of God. Love, love, love. This is what drove Jesus to earth. Because John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, what motivates the heart of our father is love. And so I want to go back to this. I think the, the, the conversation when it comes to uh, homosexuality and, and, and whether it's right or wrong and whatnot kind of has two balances in, in a scale. On one side is truth and on the other side is grace. And I think the problem is that many people have erred on one side or the other of this conversation. You've got people who are all truth and no grace. And man, they're harsh. 
And then on the other side, you've got people who are all love and no truth. And, and, and I think they're pitching a lie and a pitching, just misleading. This is untruthful, unloving at the end of the day when you're all love and no truth. I think there has to be a balance somewhere. And so I want to rephrase this first point, which is we do not have to agree with everyone, but we do have to love everyone. Now, in talking about points of agreement, I think you understand uh, in our era, and I'm going to talk, you know, we're, we're recording this January 2017. I think that, um, you know, again, I think, I think, uh, what are the issues that we disagree on? I, I probably should say, what are the issues that we agree on? And, and I would say we agree on the fact that we're all sinners. Uh, Romans 3.23 is clear. We're all sinners. We're all doomed to hell. That was how we were born. John 3 verse 16 is awesome. We all know that verse, the Tim Tebow verse. But what does it follow after that verse? It says that we were already all condemned. And then Jesus came and saved us. And so we're all sinners. I think that any Christian listening to this sort of understands that intuitively. You have to come to terms with that in order to accept the love of Jesus in your life. And so we're all sinners. We all agree on that. We all agree that uh, if you're a Christian listening to this, we all agree that Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer to our salvation. He's the only bridge mediator between God and man. Um, if you want to have a bridge to God the Father, it has to come through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross for us. That is the essence of salvation, that Jesus died. Give it, he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Second Corinthians 5, uh, the last verse, 21 or 22. I think, I think this is the truth um, that we hinge our faith on that Jesus died for us and then rose again and is now sitting at the right hand of God on our behalf. Now, where we disagree, uh, where the disagreements have arisen, um, even among evangelicals in 2017, is what does the Bible teach on homosexuality? Uh, many of you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a traditionalist, and I'm, um, I, I would say if, 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 if an LBGTQ person is listening to this uh, podcast, I would be, um, uh, uh, I guess, defined as a non-affirming in that I do not believe uh, that uh, homosexuality is God's order. I believe that uh, the action of homosexuality, you know, that activity is sinful. I believe that uh, marriage is between one man and one woman. I mean, I think the Bible is, is very clear on those things. And again, even though I am not doing a treatise on that, I just want to kind of bring out the fact that not everybody agrees with this anymore. Whereas traditionally, all Christians sort of had that same worldview. Uh, not long ago, I mean, even some of the most uh, looked, uh, you know, up, looked up to Christian leaders have come out and said, hey, we've changed our stance on this. We no longer believe um, what the Bible has taught for decades on this, for centuries on this. And, and that has created a lot of unrest and a lot of discussion among um, believers and among Christians. And it's created a lot of dissensions. And honestly, it's created a lot of confusion. Uh, many people who are not Christians might be looking in on us and say, now what do, what do they believe about God's word? Does it even matter what God says about anything? And I believe God's word does matter, and I believe God's word is clear on this topic. Um, but I'll go back to frame this point that I uh, led with, which is we don't have to agree on everything, but God does ask that we love everyone. So if you're a Christian, you already probably have a list of people that you used to think but were godly sources and are no longer godly sources or you have people that you're not sure where it stands on on these things or you, you might even think i'm not being hard enough on a topic it doesn't matter what you think the point is god doesn't want us always to agree on everything but he absolutely asks us to love everything we have our disciples known we're known by our love for one another and i think this is an area that we uh, as followers of jesus christ need to understand and embrace and, and and just hang on to with all of our hearts i think this is a truth that cannot be uh, underplayed in any any way so you might um 
uh, want to talk more about that. I think I've said enough. I'm trying to find, there we go, my notes page. Okay, so I can go to point number two. So you don't have to agree with everyone, but you do have to love everyone. So that pertains to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That also pertains to people who don't know the Lord. I mean, think about it. I think um, it's, it's pretty evident to me that if you're having a conversation about this topic with someone who does not uh, put their life under the authority of Scripture, then odds are you're not going to agree with them on this topic, by the way, or any topic in relation to morality. The Bible is very, uh, I guess, Puritan and strict on some of the issues of morality. I'm a single woman in 2017, and I can tell you that I live by stance, by a standard of living that is completely laughable in 2017. And the times that I fail in that standard, I just come to God in, in asking Him to forgive me and in repentance. But I know what God's Word says on these things. And, and I believe the same holds true to this issue of homosexuality. I think we all struggle with lusts, and we all struggle with lusts in a number of different ways. But, but again, we go back to this point. I don't have to agree with you on your opinions, and you don't have to agree with me on mine. But what God and what Jesus has asked me to do is to love you no matter what. To love you no matter what. Now, here's the second point. Listen to this. You don't have to correct everyone, but you do have to correct some. You don't have to correct everyone, but you do have to correct some. All right? This is very important because you can, the error when, you, when we're talking about love is, well, well, if you love everyone, do you ever speak the truth to them? And the truth is that, yes, there are times when you must speak the truth. I have a responsibility when I'm teaching God's word to speak the truth in love. But, but still, we don't have to correct everyone. I think the problem with many of us Christians is we think we have to correct everyone. And so we just write blog posts, write Facebook posts. We go to work and we're carrying this banner that's like, homosexuality is wrong. And, and no matter, no, no, no wonder nobody's listening to what you have to say and what I have to say because that just repulses people. Whether the issue is homosexuality or premarital sex or taking drugs or whatever it is that you do, if you're leading with that, man, nobody cares to hear us. And, uh, and, and it is not our responsibility to correct everyone. But listen, the other side of that coin is that we do have a responsibility to correct some, some. Now that some might be very limited. And I think this is where we must really pray that the Holy Spirit gives us discernment. I put a couple of verses here. One is in from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is a situation where there's sexual immorality in the church. And Paul goes on to talk about how, how he says in verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Then in verse 10 he says, Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. What he's saying here, what Paul is saying in these hard words to hear in a politically correct culture, but what he's really saying is, is there are some that we must correct. James chapter 5 is another, I think, wonderful verse. James is probably a little bit more toned down than, um, than Paul, but... But I like what James says in chapter 5. He says, My brothers, in verse 19, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so there is value within context of biblical community of love to correct some in the right time and in the right way. I think to not do that is wronging your brothers and sisters in Christ. But listen to me. 
listen to me. I think we abuse our role in that verse. I think we, we step out of bounds and we say things to people when they have not asked us to say it, when they have not looked for those answers, and we turn them off and they never want to hear anything again. I'm even talking to some of you who are trying to shove the truth in your brothers and sisters and parents and daughters and sons. They're not going to hear it from you because they might not be in that sum. You might be trying to correct everyone. That's You might be confusing the, those people in your life. You might, well, that is my duty. I'm their mom. I'm going to correct them. No, it is not your duty. That might not be your sum. Now, how we can tell the difference is to get on our knees and ask the Lord to give us deep discernment. I think it's better to err on not saying than on saying and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Do you trust God's word? Do you trust his spirit? Do you trust that God can put the right person in someone's heart to bring them to a point of truth? If God's truth stand, can it stop, Can it not stand for itself? Do, or do you always feel like you have to be the one to be reaming it down people's throat? And so, so listen, stop trying to correct the world. You just start being discerning to ask the Lord, man, when he does bring that person in my life, and, and when he does bring that person, you don't have to correct them every day. You just do it in the context of a loving relationship when they ask you to. And then when they do, then, or when you feel like after prayer and fasting and seeking God clearly lays on your heart something and you feel like that has been surrounded with prayer. Again, not a negligent, not a quick, oh, by the way, I think what you're doing is wrong, but a deep, heartfelt situation where you've now earned the, earned the right to be heard and trusted. And listen, I think very few of us are living in those sorts of relationships. I think we are living in a fast forward speed it up, get things said as soon as we can so we can move on to our next thing, that very few of us have the sort of relationships that can handle the sort of truth anymore. And I think that is where we as Christians need to be repentant, is to get back to the place where we're building relationships in our life that take time and they take energy and they take prayer and they take tears and they take sweat and they take commitment and they take faithfulness and they take love so that when the day comes where, they, where we're being asked to correct our friends, we're doing it in love and we're doing it, it with trembling and, uh, and we're doing it out of a conviction that the Holy Spirit has given us permission to do it. So number one, you don't have to agree with everyone, but you do have to love everyone. Number two, you don't have to correct everyone, but you do have to correct some. And then here's number three, you don't have to fix everyone. In fact, you don't have to fix anyone. Can I say this one again? This is my favorite. So in all the other two, I had like the paradox, like this or that. But in this case, you don't have to fix everyone. In fact, you don't have to fix anyone. Can I free you of that responsibility, mothers? Can I free you of this burden, fathers and brothers and sisters? Can I just free you, boyfriends, ex-husbands, whatever it is you are, can I free you of the responsibility? Only God changes people. Ours is to love them. Ours is to pray for them. Ours is to be there for them. Ours is to go the extra mile for them. Ours is to make ourselves available so that we're there if they need us and to offer ourselves when they don't think they need us. Ours is to be there in love, but ours is not to fix them. Ours is to trust God's spirit to change people in his time and in his way. Do you believe God's word can change people? Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Listen, I believe it because he's changing me. Day after day, I see him shaping me, changing me, purifying me. And I am convinced, the older I am in the Lord, that I do not have to change anyone. I don't have to fix anyone. If I think their lifestyle is wrong, whether they're sleeping with their boyfriends or marrying the same sex person, it is not for me. Or, by the way, or divorcing for the fifth time in their life or, or whatever it is that they're doing, it is not my job to change people or to fix them. It is the Holy Spirit's job. Ours is simply to love them. Listen, Jesus died for people. He cares about them more than we care about them. That is a huge 
huge point to remember. So let me repeat the three principles that I want us to kind of keep in mind as we have conversations on this topic. Number one, we don't have to agree with everyone, but we have to love everyone. Matthew 7 there. Number two, you don't have to correct everyone, but you do have to correct some. 1 Corinthians 5, James 5, focus here on your brothers and sisters in Christ. If they don't believe, if they're not living under the authority of Scripture, they're not your business. If they're not your brothers and sisters in a relationship of accountability and family and community, they're not your your responsibility. And then thirdly, kind of to take that to the nth degree, you don't have to fix everyone. In fact, you don't have to fix anyone. You just love them. I found this verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says, but above all, love one another. But above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That's the exact word. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Now, I'm at the 20-minute mark. I want to wrap things up. I just uh, jotted down on my iPhone here some practical uh, things, and I'll take a couple minutes just to wrap it up. Uh, so what can I do? Like, what, what, what do I do after this kind of pep talk on, on love, basically? You know, how does that practically apply? Number one, know what God says. In other words, study. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Uh, again, I gave you some highlights of what I believe. I didn't really get into it deeply, but I am confident without a shadow of a doubt that God's Word teaches um, what marriage is, and it is a relationship between one man and one woman for life. And I, I believe we in the church have woefully messed this up in every regard. But I believe that in my heart, I believe that God is clear about what he believes in homosexuality. So study God's word and understand it. Number two, make friends with folks you don't agree with. Make friends with folks you don't agree with. I don't mean acquaintances. I mean really deep friends. My friend who I wanted to interview, she's truly one of my closest friends. I'm not joking. When I say she's probably my best female friend. And she's married to a woman, and she claims Christ as her Savior. And I believe she loves the Lord and knows Him more than most of my straight friends. I don't understand it. I can't judge what she is. She recognizes her lifestyle and this and that, and, and it is what it is. I don't know how to wrap my mind around it other than to tell you the facts. And I love that friendship because it, is, it has helped me to step out of my bubble of safety where everybody's like me and to understand that God is bigger. And I don't know how God deals with people, but I know that mine is to love them. And so I am grateful for that friendship and I pray for more like-minded friendships. So make friends with folks you don't agree with and listen to them. Number one, know what God says. That's what you can do. Study his word. Number two, make friends with folks you don't agree with. Listen to them. Number three, pray for discernment of what to say and when. Uh, I mean pray and fast. I mean serious prayer. I don't mean like God bless this food to our bodies and give us a good night's rest. Amen. I mean like like on your knees. God, we can't do we can't be a light anymore in 2017 if we don't get this right. This is the I believe this issue of how how to integrate as Christians with the LGBTQ commu- community is the issue in the church in 2017. I firmly believe that. I really do. Every one of us now has close friends and family members who are in this lifestyle or believe in this, you know, believe, you know, are, are somehow either coming out as an LGBTQ and uh, uh, or, or 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 afraid to come out and are in that place. Some of you are dealing with people in your small group who are who are, who are identifying as such, and and we deeply need discernment to know what to say and when to say it. Um, and then number four, don't be afraid, yet don't be insensitive. You know, there's a time to speak. And, and, and I, I really think, I mean, even doing this podcast, I'm sure you can take a little segment and take it out of context and be like, here's what Lena said. And she's a total moron. Listen, I, I know I'm a moron. I know that I can say things that are stupid. This is why I apologize at the beginning. If I said anything insensitive to you, please forgive me. But also know that I'm not afraid to stand on God's or under the authority of God's word and tell you what he says. It, I didn't make this stuff up. I frankly couldn't care less. I'm single. I don't even have a sex life. I, I haven't thought of 
about those things in ages as it pertains to me, myself, and I, and uh, and, and 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 yet I I want to be sensitive to um, to people and to you. So don't sacrifice the truth for love's sake. Truth has not changed. Uh, you say, what about Christian leaders who are teaching things that are different from what we've learned in God's word? Challenge them. Stop listening to them. Very simple. If they're uh, you know straying from what the word says. Uh, I think the problem with many young Christians is we listen to them and go, oh, they, they must be right. If they said they studied the scripture, that means they must be right. Well, listen, they're not. Uh, I say this respectfully, but they're not right. Uh, God's word has not changed, and, uh, and, and I would challenge them, and I would make it your goal to study it for yourself and, and see what God says on this matter to you. And, and then lastly, and I think most importantly, how do we make our churches welcoming to sinners? I've asked my friend um, a million times, because she'll, she'll admit to me many times, she'll say, man, um, she says, everywhere I go in the church, I feel like a project. She's tried to go to evangelical churches. She's still, God bless her, she still goes. And, and she lives in suburban Chicago, you know, where it's like, just not the, you know, where the evangelical church is not the picture of inclusivity. And she chooses the churches that are extremely solid biblically, and she'll go there. And no wonder they think of her as a project. She looks like a lesbian, and she's not trying to hide it in any way. And, and I've asked her repeatedly, you know, she'll say to me, like, that myself and two other friends that she has who are Christians are the only ones that she feels safe with. And I've asked her, like, what is it that you see in me? Because I don't understand what I do differently than others. And honestly, I've been very encouraged by her answer. And, and I hope that I continue that way because I don't think I'm doing it uh, on purpose. But she, she's uh, consistently said that, that the people like myself and, and the other two people in her life that have been safe harbors for her, people who love the truth, love Jesus, are, are maybe differing in opinion as, than her or than some of the people that she listens to on the other side of the equation. I, I think she says that the difference is that we live authentically, that we are not ashamed to admit our own faults. Uh, listen, anyone who has read my books or listened to me long enough knows that I am very open about my own struggles, and um, I have many. I have many, and uh, I wish I could tell you that I'm over my struggles, but I'm not. In fact, every year I'm a Christian, I feel like God shows me even more <laughs> where I'm struggling, and it's a constant walk in humble humility and dependence on the Lord, and a, and a realization that, man, God gave a lot when he sent Jesus to die for me, and uh, and I am so grateful. I am so grateful for the cross. I am so grateful that my own sin is forgiven. I am in no way um, in any better place than anyone else who struggles with any sin that may seem on paper heavier than, you know, mine. I mean, I guess I've never killed anyone, and yet I am in no way better than a murderer. I know what I bring to the table, and it ain't much, friends, and so I... Um, I just want to make it my aim to please Christ, and I want to make it my aim to become more Christ-like, and I believe part of that challenge for us who have that same desire in 2017 is to learn how to love people that we disagree with, and to do it in such a way that we don't look at them as projects, that we stop trying to change them, and that bring new agendas to the table. Hey, are you willing to do that? Because until we're willing to do that, we'll never make an impact in a community that is desperately longing to be part of our church, part of Christ's body, and to be uh, free from all of the weights uh, that they carry in their life, just like we long to have in our life. So, um, hey, may, let's make it our passion. Let's make it our heart's desire to go after uh, those relationships in our life that challenge us. Let's not be afraid of it. And let's pray together. In fact, can I pray as we close this podcast, uh, a conversation about Christians and gays, if you have any questions before I pray, please send me emails at lina, L-I-N-A, at livingwithpower.org, L-I-V-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-P-O-W-E-R, livingwithpower.org, lina at livingwithpower.org. Um, you know, I, I hope you don't send me hate mail. If you do, I'll take it with grace, and uh, 
And in the meantime, let me pray. God, I just thank you that you are a God of grace and a God of truth, that you are a God who saw all that we are as wicked sinners. And yet knowing us, you sent Jesus to die for us. I cannot understand it. And the more I've been able to see the depth of my own darkness, the more thankful I am for your sacrifice on the cross. God, we breathe because of you. We have life because of you. And God, I have never been more thankful for that than now. So we humbly receive all the grace that you've given us. I ask for freedom uh, in this area, Lord, of, 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 of resistance that's been between um, traditional, you know, Bible-believing Christians and the LGBT community. I pray for revival in the church. God, I pray for healing in families who are right now struggling with these issues, not knowing how to reconcile what they believe is true with how their kids are turning out. And God, I ask that somehow the spirit of condemnation would be lifted and that we would be able to lead with love and that somehow we would still be able to speak the truth in your timing. God, give us that discernment of the spirit. God, I pray that those in our life who need to hear the truth would hear it in the right way. I pray that we would hear the truth when you give it to us. Father, that even now as we see how judgmental we've been, that you would forgive us and that you would somehow, Father, make even this podcast a source of peace and joy to many who need it. Father, I ask that your spirit would supernaturally take the words that I've spoken and just make them words of life and not words of condemnation. So, Father, protect us as we seek to please you. Jesus, reign in our life such as we've not seen before. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, it's been great. I love you guys. Remember, Lena at livingwithpower.org, and I'll answer you if I have the answer. (laughs) Guys, have a great day. Talk to you guys soon.